honour God and he honours you. And with what you have, give. Now there's wisdom in all of us, but I keep reading about the um, the, the story about feeding the 5,000. It was about 15,000. You know, and you see this mindset uh, where in the natural, the disciples just look through natural eyes. They see how big the problem is and they come to a conclusion. And that conclusion is to send everyone away because we can't meet this need. And I don't know about you, but that's sometimes been my reality in this whole area. You know, you have all these costs, you have all these things, and you, you know, you're buying puppies, and you're buying puppy food, and you're replacing coffee tables because the puppy chew the coffee table. And sometimes, you know, it comes to sort of giving, and it's like, well, I don't have enough because I don't have enough just for me. And, and it's an opportunity to trust in him. And I see this in this young boy. He's, I don't know, he, I think he's about eight or nine. And I shared this a couple of weeks back, but he has, maybe it's his packed lunch. And Philip says, we found a little boy with five loaves and two fish, and he's prepared to give it to us. And Jesus says, that's all I need. And as we know, the story goes, he fulfills and he, 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 he feeds and once again, he doesn't just feed the people, the surplus. And what that tells me is that in him, there's an abundance. Now, I'm not saying there's an abundance of finances where you know, you're know you going to sow this seed, you're going to become a millionaire. There's an abundance of life that's found. He's revealing who he is. He's revealing his nature to us. He's saying, in me, there's an abundance. You will find abundant life in me. And he just gives us these external acts to show you who he is, to help you transition in your own relationship. Because it really is about transitioning from one reality into another, into another. God is the same God as he was yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's phenomenal who he is. So he never changes. We're the ones that are changing and going from one measure to another. So if you could imagine the measure of, of God as the, seal, as, as the floor to the ceiling, when we come into a greater reality of him, there's a, this, this change that needs to happen, there's a posture, there's a position. And so we're coming to learn more about who he is, which changes us. So as he reveals a greater measure of who he is in us, it changes us. That's the point, that's the truth will set you free. The more we know truth, the more we live from that position of truth. And so what you heard there, you don't have to try being an ambassador, you are one. You have the authority of an ambassador. Why? Because of the Christ in you. And this is what we've been looking about, talking about um, as a true worshipper. So we're going to get on to that. But let's just pray for the offering. And I just want to encourage you with that. And um, if it's an area that, that God's talking to you about or if he's not talking to you about, he's talking to you about it now, I think. And just saying, is it time to step out in obedience and to grow in this area? Father, just thank you, Lord, for who you are. I thank you that you give us multiple opportunities to know you and your grace empowers transformation. So, Lord, this morning I pray you'd What's given? I thank you for the finances that are given here into uh, into this this place, Lord, to help and meet needs of people and to build um, what you're doing. 
And so we ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right. So if you haven't been with us, with us um, I've been talking about being, becoming a true worshipper. The Bible says that a true worshipper worships in spirit and truth. And uh, over the last three or four weeks, I've been covering that a true worshipper has a revealed position or an understanding of uh, where they're from and what they've been saved from. And so the Bible says that we were all born into the kingdom of darkness, the domain of darkness, and Jesus had to rescue us out of that kingdom into his one. And so we understand what was in us and who we are that actually caused Christ to even be sent. And then I spoke last time and I said that we are to have a revealed understanding of the original nature that lives in us. And so those things are very much interlinked, but they're still separated out. And this morning um, I want to talk about as his followers, understanding the battle that exists between the spirit and the flesh. Are we up for that one? And so um, this is what I want to dive into today. And I believe that we all want to live in the fullness of what Christ has for us, don't we? Every one of us as a follower really wants to experience the life that he came to give us. Um, but there is a battle for that life. Have you realized that in your own life? There, it's not like it just sort of um, everything comes at once. He, everything was finished at the cross and Jesus has done everything and now you and I are to possess what was done at the cross. So there's the reality of what was done at the cross is that we're living from. And so it's one thing to say, yes, I believe this, but it's another thing to actually have it in working in you and you living from that position. Does that make sense? It's one thing to know about a peace that goes beyond understanding, but it's another thing to live in that peace. And so when life happens or trial comes or tribulation comes, that peace that's in you, which is Christ, is evident. It's, it's just there and it comes out. And so... You realize it and people can see it. And so there's different positions there. One knows about something, but one's living in it. And so I believe we all want to be living in it, which is where true knowledge actually sits, because it's that that actually sets us free. And he's got me looking at three passages at the moment. There's John 4, John 6, and Luke 24, and I've been sharing it with different people. In John 4, you see this picture of this woman, who's a Samaritan woman, and she's at the well, and Jesus starts to paint a picture for her of who she can become and the life that she is to experience. And once again, put yourself in the picture, because he speaks to us. So yes, he's speaking to this woman in Scripture, but he's really speaking to his people. And he's saying this, he said, if you knew the gift, you would ask. She has no concept of the gift in front of her, and she's still talking about natural water. And he says, I'm the living water. And if you knew who it was that was in front of you, you would ask. And from you would come a wellspring, because you've tapped into a water supply that lasts for eternity. You've tapped into something out of the physical realm 
and into the spiritual realm, but in the spiritual realm it affects the physical realm. That's what I love about it. So, you know, we talk about people that are super spiritual. I don't even know what that means. But there are some people who think they're spiritual and they live in caves and they do nothing. The spirit should impact the physical world. Christ was the man from heaven living on the earth, but really he was still in heaven because the value system and the culture system of heaven was on the earth. And that's what's to come through the church. And so he says this, he says, you can have a reality beyond the one you're currently looking for. He says, you keep living for the natural things, but your thirst doesn't get taken away, does it? Because you have to keep coming to the well. You keep coming and you keep coming. But if you ask me, I'd give you something that would last for eternity. Take you beyond that. I'd give you something you'd never quench for the natural. You'd never quench for the things of the physical because you're so much in me and I'm in you that you'd have a living well water coming forth from you. And we'll unpack that as we go. But I say all that to say this. There's a reality to be found in him. There is a peace to be experienced. There is a joy to be unlocked. And there is a righteousness to be lived in. And he asks and he constantly asks and he asks and he asks and he woos and he woos and he asks and he asks and he speaks and he screams at times and he cries and he asks and he asks. He says, this is what I've laid out for my church. He said, but good, you must understand there's a battle for it. There is a battle for the reality that I've come to bring. And there is two oppositions to it. Who can give me one? Self, mind, flesh. Yes. Our old nature. Who else? Our iniquity, which is our old nature. Yep. That's our old nature. And Satan. So it's two against one. Okay? It's two against one. But how many people know the one's bigger than the two and you could have 10 million and the one's still bigger than the 10 million? And so God puts his spirit in us and then, but that's not the full work. There's in a working out. So it's finished. You've been justified by my blood. Okay? You're now whole. Now you've got to work the, the salvation out. You need to take my spirit, take my truth, spirit and truth, and move into the spiritual dynamic for your flesh to be overcome. And man, it's a battle. I don't know about you, but it's a full-on battle. So my thought here is this for today, and this is my, my main thought. A true worshipper understands the battle between spirit and flesh. As true worshippers, we are to understand that there is a battle between spirit and flesh. The reason why, my personal opinion, so many people get offended is because of the amount of flesh that still lives. See, there's really no offense when two people are in the spirit. It's when one's in and one's in flesh that, boom, collision course. 
You know what they said about me? You know what? And then, rather than, you know what they said about me, but that's all good. Because I'm in the Spirit. I'm not going to let that derail me. I'm not going to let that get into me. I'm not going to let that thought start messing with my head and start taking me out of the race that I'm moving towards. Why would I empower someone else to do that to me when they're not the one that's going to judge me? He is. Why am I giving authority to someone else when I've been told in Christ I have authority? And so this is so important. How many people have been hurt by the church? Come on, let's be honest. We all probably have. Do you know why? Because we're all in flesh. But we're called to be in the Spirit. And when we're in the Spirit, you know what happens? Love covers a multitude of mess-ups of flesh. When love is present, it covers, imagine that, it covers all our iniquity, all of our flesh, all the stuff that is in us. It covers. See, that's what he's done for you and I. And he goes, will you do it for one another? Will you be a people that love? But there's a massive, raging battle. And you're all the greatest problem. (laughs) And I'm included in it. So when I say you, I mean me. We are our greatest problem. We get in the way. I get in the way all the time. My thinking that's not renewed gets in the way. My heart positions of stuff I haven't let go of still get in the way. Things that maybe people say or things that they've done get in the way of me coming into this life in the Spirit where I'm set free and then I'm able to demonstrate this other reality. Him in me demonstrates it because I'm found in Spirit and truth. I'm not found in the flesh. I'm found in Him. See, true worship is worship in a spiritual dimension that It's invisible. But it's fully capable of entering into it of the Spirit. I'm just going to read uh, Galatians 5. And Galatians 5, 13 to 15. It says this, For you were called to freedom, brethren, brothers, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. You see, there's no condemnation in Christ. And so freedom comes. Man. Well, I'm dancing for singing. This is good. Woo! Until someone cuts me off. Boom! And the flesh comes out. Until someone says something wrong and bang, the flesh comes out. See, in the freedom he's given us, do you know there's opportunity for flesh to manifest itself? How amazing is this God? I wouldn't have done it that way. See, grace covers, but it doesn't mean the iniquity doesn't come out. It doesn't mean the sin doesn't come out. 
doesn't mean all he's done, he's graced me so I can actually get on a process of being transformed. If he took his grace away, I'm gone. But his grace, his love, that's what it means to sit under grace. We can abuse grace because we're in freedom. The freedom, we don't know how to walk in the freedom. We don't know how to walk in the alignment of freedom. So we actually really want to go back to the law. Tell me the rights and wrongs. Give me the parameters and let's mark this whole thing out. But see, when you're in freedom, you've got to see the invisible parameters and walk in them. They're still there, but they're invisible. And in relationship, you know where they are in the life that you're walking in. But see, we can abuse freedom because of the nature that lives in us. And that's why he says, you need to obey me, but through motivated now by love. And so you come into this reality. So if there is an offense, love comes. And it says, but don't abuse the freedom for an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to this in verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, there's a bit of that happening in our home. Poor, poor, poor Lily's. This dog's a she's a Labrador Mastiff, so she's going to be a good size. Well, I look silly with Chihuahua, wouldn't I? I mean, you know, come on, come on, come on. I see all these guys around our place at five o'clock in the morning. So I walk in these little dogs. It's like out in the dark. Sorry if you've got a little dog, guys, but out in the out in the dark. I guess there's no one because you know, I'm not seeing walking with this thing. You know, I was like. Whose dog's that? I don't know. I've got to get myself a, you know, walk around the neighborhood. (laughs) Of course it is. I'm not going to deny it. Why do you think about the gym? Anyway. (laughs) But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you're not consumed by one another. See, I, I really do believe it breaks God's heart that the church struggles to be one. You know, I pray that these guys would be one, yet we have more division in the church than, than the world, if I can say that. You know, we devour one another. Why? Because our iniquity and our nature still lives there and it comes out. But God says, no, I've called you to walk in the Spirit. I've called you to be a people of the Spirit. Not to bite at one another, not to respond, but to love when offense comes. Because it's going to come. I'm going to upset you, you're going to upset me, so we may as well put it down in the contract now, in the covenant, seal it, sign it, know that at some point we're all going to offend one another. It's not the point, it's how we're going to respond when the offense comes. Because that's the thing that maintains oneness That's why it's always been about the church becoming one, not about reaching the lost world. You know how you reach a lost world? You became one. Is the church one? Are we reaching a lost world? Not really. Become one, you reach a lost world. Sounds crazy, eh? Why is that, Greg? Because everyone's looking for love. And they don't give a rip about our message until they see something that loves them. But if we don't love one another... There's individuals doing it. The whole neighbor day. I pray you'll get out there and love on people. But God's asked us to model it. Sometimes the world model it better. 
Danny's just been part of a walk around Frankens Park for the last 24 hours for cancer, for people who struggle with cancer. Amazing thing. Man, are people doing that? Phenomenal. There's a genuine love there for obviously people that have lost people with cancer, maybe people who know people who've had cancer. We're called to love selflessly because we're people of the Spirit. But there is a raging war in me for the reality. And if I walk in spirit and truth, I can overcome the offense. Listen to Proverbs 17.9. He who conceals a transgression seeks love. He or she who conceals, covers over a transgression, seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. Boom. Can we conceal? Do we have enough of Christ in us to conceal? Because as we've looked at, I can't do that. I can't love in a manner that's going to conceal transgression. I need something bigger in me, someone bigger in me, for me to be able to do that. Philippians 2.13. That's what Paul's basically saying. Hence, seeking him and having the reality of him so I'm fully able to love when offense comes and continue to. Father, forgive them right now, even though they're throwing rocks at my head and I'm standing there in front of them, loving on them. Please forgive these men because they don't know what they're doing. Who said that? Stephen. He's a picture for us. That's a pretty big picture, isn't it? Who believes it's possible in Jesus? If you don't believe it's possible, you'll never attain it. My dad always said to me, son, if you don't set goals, you go nowhere. Or you hit the very thing you're aiming for, nothing. Now it's a goal in Christ. It's not a selfish goal, it's a selfless goal because you'll need to be selfless to be that become a reality. Why? Because there's a battle. And I am right. Don't you know it, Lisa? You see, there is a way that seems right to me. And it's right. But it ends in death. But it's still right. Doesn't matter, I'm dying. It's still right. I'm going to stand on this position because it's right. I'm not changing, but it's right. I'm getting grumpier, but it's right. I'm not reflecting God anymore, but it's right. They're the ones at fault. Don't you know it? Anyone met those people? Look in the mirror. Do you live with one hand? <laughs> I had to get that back, mate, for that comment you made. Now he's giving her a hug look. This might surprise us this morning, but I believe our greatest opposition is not Satan or the devil. He plays a part, but it's our flesh, our selfish, self-centered old nature that still lives in us and wants its own way and wants to stay in control. And as we worship in spirit and truth, we overcome the flesh and are putting it to death. God wants to do an incredible work in all of us, and yet this flesh nature in all of us can actually prevent the work being done. 
and has us operating outside of God's design. This is why I said it's important to get a revealed position on the nature that lives in you. Because if you don't realize it, it can be manifesting and you just think it's just, I don't know, whatever it is. There's not an understanding, a comprehension, a cognitive reality that, man, this thing is what separated me from the Lord. This thing would have me going to the pit of hell. But for the grace of God and his love, he's come to set me free from this nature that's in me. So thank you for putting your new nature in me so I become a new creation and so I'm able and fully capable to walk out and become and enter into the kingdom where I go from this reality and realm to having a peace that goes beyond all understanding to know a love that surpasses the human intellect but I can know it and experience and live in it from here. And he says, I'm looking for people who worship, who lay down their lives to enter into this thing called spirit and truth reality. That's amazing what we've been invited to partake of. But if we don't get a handle on this thing and just go, oh well, you know, that's my personality. Or, well you don't get it Greg, this happened to me 10 years ago and that's why I'm like this. That is incredibly sad. That is, that is, you know, I get the fact that Jeremy and I went to Cambodia. We get the fact that some kids don't have a chance. We get the fact, I saw the fact, you know, and I know people, my best mate was beaten up by his father. We live in a fallen world, and it sucks that we have been exposed to stuff that shapes us. Why did Christ have to come to set us all free from it, see? And to offer us a whole different life. But you can let that stuff determine your future. You can let that stuff get on top of you and drown you and smother you. And yet Jesus is on this side of the fence saying, come to me or you're weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. Take of my teaching, take of my yoke and you will enter into That's hard, isn't it? I'm not saying this is easy. I'm not saying it's like, well, yeah. The places that he's led me to, man, I'm never going back there. Never. Ever. But you can partake of something that's so rich and full and incredible and taste that you've never tasted before and experience things. And no, no, man. I had the beauty of having a conversation. I've had two conversations in two weeks. I go to Ruby's Cafe and I work there. I've now got my office space there. I'm building relationally with the staff. Don't come and interrupt me, will you? Okay? <laughs> and I'm there. And I'm sitting there. I'm working away. Guy. Pulls out a chair. says, hey mate, you mind if I sit down? Well, there we are. <laughs> he says, you're a Christian. I said, yep. Got my Bible out there, got my iPad, you know. And um, he says, yeah, I used to believe. I said, oh, yeah. 
And he said, but I'm just disillusioned with the whole thing. So I'm disillusioned. I, I hear messages that I don't see the reality of. I see a whole lot of people who give themselves the title of Christian, but I don't see much change in them. He's talking about himself too. He said, I know I sound so negative, don't I? I said, yep, but there's truth to it. I said, what do you think that is? Oh, oh. I said, well, I said, look, you see, I just, it's, I just, you know, I've, I've been part of communities going back 20 years and, you know, I had hands on and prophecy and, and all the things and all the words and, you know, most of the people I was with are not even following Christ anymore. Was it all hot air? I said, well, it might have been. Might not have been. I don't know. It wasn't there. I said, but we're having a conversation today and I know what he's doing in my life and I can give you a testimony of living hope. So you're telling me there's no hope and you're believing it and I'm going, well, how come we're talking? And oh, I, could, I could list off testimony after testimony of what he did yesterday, what he did last week, what he's doing four weeks ago. I could share with you now, but I'd preach to you about what he just showed me. Man, there's so much life in Christ. He's looking at me like, See, there's a reality to be found. I don't know what you've been doing. I don't know. There's dynamics. There's all these things going on at play. Unbelief, belief, faith. Does faith matter? Yes, then no. So I don't know. It's a mystery. So but let me tell you about the person I know. An hour and a half sitting there. Whew. Tuesday, he sees me. <laughs> And we talk. An hour this time. Thought about what you said. Gave him an Ian McCormick DVD. Have a look at that. Comes back. Dialogue. I'm doing nothing but sitting in a cafe having a coffee. But praying for, asking for engagements with people. God's divinely hooking this all up. I don't know, he says... I might come to your Wednesday night group. Is that all right? <laughs> said, nah. <laughs> Close shot. It's the tight 12 there. <sighs> we don't even let the Holy Spirit in. <laughs> That's how much we got it together. <sighs> yeah, right. It's about a good two year, don't they? <laughs> the church has got it together. Yeah, right. <laughs> so he might come. I don't know. But there's life in him and the more we're in him and in the spirit and truth, people will see it. People will engage. People are looking for the real thing. They don't want meetings. They want Jesus. They don't want programs. They want Jesus. They want the reality of Jesus. And so it's a challenge for us to come into the reality of Jesus, isn't it? Because just because we pray prayers doesn't mean we know him. But we're called to. He wants to. And we may know him in an abundance. So let's walk together because with the amount of knowledge we have in this room, we all know him more. If we compile all the knowledge in this room, we go, man, look at the Jesus we know. Phenomenal. So let's walk together so that can increase. And let's honour one another and let's love and conceal 
transgressions so we all can come into him. That's what he did for the disciples, didn't he? Can you imagine if he'd called it? Here's James and John. We'll call it Sandra and Chris. They're part of the tight three. I've been working with these guys. No, that's a bad analogy. <laughs> For the analogy. Say, I'm Jesus. <laughs> working with them. More than the other 12. Okay? I take these guys up the mountain. They see me transfigured. I take them into the inner room where I come as the one with the little girl that needs to be healed. Because he needs faith to be in the room, not disbelief that's outside the room. So come on, come into the room with me. And then I say to them, I'm going to die. I'm going to the cross. I've got a sense of, I know it's my purpose, but I'm going. You know what they then ask? Who's going to sit at the right or the left hand of your side when you're up there? Maybe you didn't hear that. I'm going to die. I need your prayers. What I've been sent for and beyond, I've come to do. Can you pray? Are we going to be on the left hand or the right hand when we get up there? I want to know. Who's the greatest? Me or this fella? What do you think that is? They don't look like the spirit of truth, does it? It says their spirit, when they're in the garden, their spirit was willing, their flesh was weak. Okay, but here's the same too. Guys, come to save mankind. I know you're a bit peeved they didn't give us the donkey. Okay? Why are you trying to burn them? Because I've come to save mankind. Why are you two trying to cast fire down and extinguish the people I've come for? Well, we got the hump because they wouldn't give us the flaming donkey that you told us to go and do. So we're going to teach them a lesson, man. We're going to show them we got the authority. Now, I heard one person preach, at least they knew they had the authority to do it. But see, the heart's all wrong. He says, he says, listen, what spirit is coming out of you right now? How many spirits are there? How many kingdoms are there? Two. Light, dark. Is this the spirit of light coming out of these two right now? Well, if it is, it's an interesting one. Haven't been led into that revelation yet. No. What spirit's coming out? What this flesh, this, this thing coming out of you? That's not who I am. That's not my way. I've come to save, not kill. Come on. If Jesus had gone, that's it. I've had a guts for man. What happens to these guys? But no, he doesn't. See, love covers. Love comes around. He did rebuke them. He didn't just go, oh, we got that wrong. Now, the Bible says he rebuked them, stiffly corrected them. And then, see, God's disciplining. 
long-suffering, and he disciplines. Now, come on, let's go. Because he knows the Spirit's waiting, doesn't he? But there's a war. Come with me to Acts 8. I'll give you another example. Acts 8, verses 9. Acts 8, verses 9. So once again, there is no condemnation in Christ. But there is conviction. And we have to be able to discern the difference between the two. Because if you mishear conviction for condemnation, you walk away from Christ when you're supposed to walk too. Can you hear that? So your flesh will try and make conviction condemnation so it keeps you justified. But I'm justified to stay here. That's the easy option. No, I feel condemned by what you said. Well, is it him or is it you? You see, do we ever stop and ask the question, do we ever stop and go, maybe the way I'm hearing it isn't accurate? Or do we judge it, convict it, and then sentence it to jail? Before we ever go, I wonder if this person's actually innocent. And I wonder if I've got it wrong. I wonder if it's me that can't hear what's being said. See, one will lead you away and one will lead you to. What you're saying, Jesus, right now is really, really hard to hear. It's too hard to hear. So we're going to walk away now. Are you going, James and John? No, it was Peter this time. Well, where are we going to go? See, we've entered into something that we know, doesn't matter how bad it gets, you're the answer. That would be really dumb to walk away because you're the answer. Come on, Acts 8, we're there. Acts 8, verse 9. Now there was a man named Simon who formerly was practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. <laughs> claiming to be someone great. Oh, that's interesting. And they all from smallest to greatest were giving attention to him, saying, this man is what is called the great power of God. And they were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with his magic arts. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, that's interesting right there, isn't it? The kingdom of God and Jesus. See, the kingdom and Christ being reconciled. It's two messages. Well, the kingdom, the, sorry, the Jesus message is inside the kingdom message. But so often all we've done is preach the Jesus message. Hence, we don't necessarily come into the fullness of the kingdom. What's the kingdom message? Jesus said, I'm not from this reality. My reality is a spiritual reality. It's about transformation into the whole person, 
not just getting saved so you go to heaven instead of hell. So he's preaching this kingdom message and it's got these people transfixed. And they were being baptized, men and women alike. Here we go in verse 13. Even Simon himself believed and after being baptized, he continued on with Philip and as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. Remember, he used to think he was the man. He was into doing some of this witchcrafty things. So he's used to having power. The rich can't enter the kingdom. Why? Because they're full of themselves. They're used to being in positions of power and in control. So to submit to someone else, what is that at its ultimate core is pride. Does pride exist in all of us? Yeah, because it's from the nature of darkness. So here's this man, he's saved, baptized, and he's in awe of what's going on. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. So they'd just gone through water baptism, which is an awesome thing. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now this is where it kicks off, makes it real interesting. Verse 18. Now when Simon saw... What are these? Yeah, my eyes, but what are they? What does the Bible say they are? The window to the... He's not just seeing something in the physical. When he sees, he moves towards something. He's got the old and the new still living and operating in him. So he sees that the Spirit is bestowed through the laying on of hands of the apostles He offered them money. Saying, give this authority to me as well so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. His motive may actually be right. I don't know. But listen to the rebuke that comes back which might sort of tell you maybe it wasn't. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter for your heart is not right before God. But I thought he was saved. Didn't he get baptized? Didn't he repent of his old life and he's now arrived? Certainly there's no more work to be done. He's arrived. So what's he talking about? His heart is not right before God. Therefore repent of this wickedness of yours and pray the Lord that if possible the intention of your heart, there you go, the intention of your heart, so he obviously had a wrong intention, may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. 
But Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me yourselves, so that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now you can take from that verse, maybe there's a slight conviction coming on the man and he's realising, oh my God, what's going on? Goodness me, what's, what's happening here? You see, his iniquity, his nature that still lives is attracted to the old. This is what I used to do. I want that power that the apostles have. Why? Why do you want it? Because look what's happening. Look at this. Man, they're going to look at me again and think I'm A, B, and C. Oh, I just want to do this because it's cool. So we have this fascination with the power thing. The power to be used with the gifts. What about power for transformation in the heart of a church? What about the indwelling power to transform? Because you can operate in a gift and not be being transformed at all. Lord, Lord, I did X, Y, Z. Who are you? Why didn't they enter into the kingdom? Who knows? Why didn't those men enter into the kingdom of God? You will not inherit the kingdom, even though they did all the signs and wonders. What does Jesus say? Yeah, but what, 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 what was the reason? That wasn't the reason. What was the reason why they didn't know him? Because he knows them, doesn't he? What was the reason? Scripture gives you the reason why. You who practice lawlessness. We looked at lawlessness last week. What's that? Doing your own thing. Your way. You can operate in A, B and C and be all about you. That's why he gives this to us. This is why we must walk, guys, in spirit and truth. Am I into the gifts operating Amen, yes, absolutely, 100%. My gift was operating in that cafe. But who's defining the gift? And where's it coming from? What's the heartbeat? Is it him? Is it actually a pure motive? Or is it because, you know what, I've still got this nature in me and it's attracted to this? Whatever this is, this is just one example. This can be with money, it can be with children, it can be with relationships, it can be with anything. See, the battle's huge, isn't it? It's massive. But we've got this massive God. He's unlimited, he's untapped, his resource, and he says, let go of your life and you'll find life. He says, let go of this and you'll enter in. Seek me with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, you'll find me. Walk together. Be in discipleship. Be in what I patted. Contend for truth. Don't be on your own. Don't try and walk this on your own. Be obedient. Be submissive. Learn. Be teachable. Have a hungry heart. I think I'm teachable. How do you really know? You really know you're teachable. Well, you'll know when someone comes with an opposing view and your response will show you how teachable you are, how humble you are, or how prideful you are and how so much of you are still sitting on your throne and Jesus is going, get off the throne. I want to sit on the throne, but you're still on it. But I won't force you off the throne. You have to make a decision to get off the throne. 
and I want to establish myself on your throne, the kingdom of God, and then I want to move through you, in you and through you. And so the more that I'm in you, the less your iniquity in nature exists. So you're now flowing fully more and more in my spirit. Why? So if offense comes, because we're all on this journey and no one's perfect and I need grace for everyone's humanity and you need grace for my humanity, so when offense comes, love just comes out and it covers and oneness is maintained. Whoopee! And that's the point. But here we are today as God's people with about 40,000 now denominations. Why did they form? I'd love to be a fly on the wall. I've read some stuff. You even see it in Scripture where these guys, they can't get on. Now God is working things out and God is gracing and God is, man, He if he didn't have his grace, I don't know what we'd look like. But his first place position is this expression of oneness. Why again? Because it's the bride of Christ. Why again? So God's people bring glory to God. Why again? So people will run to him. But it's this challenge. We are to be forever in awe and absolute gratitude of what Jesus has done for us from rescuing us from the domain of darkness and transferring us into the kingdom of light and putting his spirit in us so we are fully able to walk in the spirit. That's why there's no condemnation in Christ because of what Jesus has done for us. But this doesn't mean that our iniquity and sinful nature has disappeared or doesn't still live. It means that his grace is covering our flesh and that through worshipping him in the spirit and truth, this flesh will be crucified and put to death. What the cross is. It wasn't just a one-off hit. We live a life of repentance. I'm not thinking like you think, Lord, help me. Reveal through the Spirit. I repent. I come into. I come into. I come into. I come into. Why are you arguing with me, Peter? Why are you setting your interest on man, Peter? Why is it when I say I'm going to die, you want me to live? Are you in fear of losing me? Are you in fear of what that might mean for you? Because if I go and die, you might not reign with me. And you perceive me to be the king that's going to set you free. And maybe you're thinking you're going to lose your right-hand partnership with me. So you panic and you now stop me or try to from going to the very thing I was called to. Why are you setting your mind on man's interest? Because his mind had not yet been renewed by the Spirit to see as Christ saw it. Who received my thought during the week? How many people have, don't put your hand up, have read it and meditated on it? It's all about sight. He can't see, so he responds a certain way. Holy Spirit comes upon him in power. He starts to see. He responds this way. 
can't see, I can walk away from God and never realize it. I can walk away from, what I mean by that is the truth he's trying to lead me into, which is in him. But I have no concept of seeing, hearing, so I make a judgment call. So I do this. I judge it. I convict it. I sentence it. I put it in prison. Instead of doing this, I've never heard that. Hmm. That's interesting. Hearing this frequency. I'm only used to playing three chords on my guitar. They tell me there's this F sharp thing. Can't even pluck it. My fingers around it. This is a reality, by the way. The B chord. Who invented the B chord? You can dislocate your finger to play it. So they're talking about this B chord. And this guy can play it, and I can hear it, but I don't get it. But there's something about the B chord that's attracting me. Jaden, you think I can walk with you, and you can show me or lead me and help me, and we'll walk together and believe the Holy Spirit will lead me into how playing a B chord. Because you can't give me the B chord, only the Spirit can give me the B chord, but you can be a voice for it, because you're obviously in it, and you know it, so you become a signpost for me. And if we walk together and believe together, the Holy Spirit will lead me into your reality because it's for both of us. Can we do that? He says, yes. Thanks. See, Acts 17.11 says that there are these people called Bereans. When they heard the word, they heard with this anticipation. They heard with belief and faith. And then it says they went away and they studied and asked the Spirit to reveal. See, there's something in these people that wasn't in the people from Thessalonica. There was a hunger, there was a mindset to what it was, what they were hearing. And see, one walked two, one walks away. And we do this, we try and understand something to believe and it's true. That's what the world does. We, tr- we have to understand it before I'll believe it. So Tim's sharing the stuff with me. I ain't believing that until I understand it. You know what? You're probably never going to understand it, so you're never going to believe in it because that's not how the kingdom works. I can never understand something with an unrenewed mind that he's in a renewed position with. That's why Peter couldn't understand Jesus. What did Peter need? Spirit-filled. Gotcha. Wasn't perfect though, because in Acts he falls over again. But when I come and I go, hmm, hmm, I'm what I'm not saying is just accept it as truth. What I am saying is don't write it off, and walk towards, and walk towards, and walk towards. He may not be in a measure of truth he thinks he is. And I might not be. But you know what? As we walk together, you know what will happen? What will happen? We'll discover what the truth is. So it's never about right or wrong. It's about coming into oneness and walking in it together. You know what's formed as we walk together for one another? Love. What's the church supposed to be known for? Love. The greatest commandment. 
God is so smart and he puts these things in play. But if I never walk to him, you know what happens? I walk on my own. I stay in the measure I'm in. I had this question posed to me three and a half years ago when that very thing happened to me. And the person said this. If I am wrong, do you love me enough to walk with me and help me come back from my deception? What's the church supposed to be known for? What happens if I don't love? I walk away. Don't I? If I've got enough of Christ in me right now, I'm presented with this. Here's a brother, possibly in deception. I love him so much. See you later. Have fun with that deception. How are you going with that? I got the truth. Uh, hold on. I thought truth ran too. I thought love ran too. Jesus, I worship, ran to me when I wasn't in truth, not away from me. Can you see the picture I'm painting? That's a loveless church right there that would leave someone else in deception. Why? Because I'm right. And I don't have the time to walk with you right now. I'm busy. So I don't have the time. I'm sorry you're in deception, but I don't have the time for you. Wow, man, well, Greg, I had time for you. You told me you were going to follow me six times and you never did. And I was still there for you, Greg. Yeah, I'm hearing that. See, do we do we give what we've been given? You can't if you haven't experienced it. You can't give what you don't have. But he says, I want you to have. I want you to believe to understand. Don't try and understand it to believe it. Believe to understand. If you believe, have faith, you will come into an understanding and in that process, your mind will be renewed. You'll actually have real truth. Paul called it true knowledge and true knowledge sets the church free. Amen? So there is a huge battle between flesh and spirit. We have been chosen, bought and paid for to walk in spirit and truth, to administer the kingdom, to be ambassadors for the kingdom. That's the beautiful picture. And then to reign with the king of the kingdom. That's what he invited Jeremy to when he said, come follow me. He said, but Jeremy, there's going to be a change process. You want to be through a change process at work? <laughs> How did it go, Jared? Not good. Horribly. Why is that? Because we all resist change. Why do we resist change? Because it's not change we hate. You know what we hate? Fear of the unknown and the loss of the control that's associated with change. So we resist. But the offer and the invite it's been put in the letterbox. It's not in his hand. It's in the letterbox. It's just whether you open up the letterbox and the package and dive in. I love him, eh? I love him so much. I love him so much from rescuing me. 
I love him for restoring my, my marriage that was smashed and for bringing Danielle into my life. I love him for the children I have. I even love him for the puppy that we have. Hopefully I can still say that next week. I love him for the position he has got me in. I love him for everything that he's given. But you know what? I would still love him even if I had nothing. Because I know him to a measure. And that measure is transforming my life today. And I lay my life down here and with men like this and women like Mal and the staff and the elders and leaders to see his reality birthed. And I close my eyes. You know what I see? I see people wearing white. And some people are in suits and up wearing gowns and it's not a sexual thing. It's not the men are in suits and the women are in gowns. I can't even see who the people are, but I just see everyone wearing white. And the glory and the the radiance that's coming off is so bright that people, and I'm even looking at it going, man, I just want to move towards that light. It's so attractive. It's so pure. God's saying, this is what I'm building at the rock. I'm building these people. The rock's not an organization. It's just a name. We're a community, a family. Community is not defined by ge- geography. It's defined by heart and minds of a people. People travel from all over the place to come here. God is building these people, and they are people of spirit and truth. They are you. And he's saying, will you Come after me more. Because there is a reality. This is a, this is a uh, set your eyes on the prize. This is a forward picture. This is who you are, but it's who you're going to become. And the reality in which you can live in is now. It's not future. The future is now. Eternity is now. Jesus came. He was the man from eternity living now and said, here is my spiritual kingdom. Here's my spirit. Here's my truth. You can enter into it now and partake now. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be people that are found at your feet with one another. I pray that we would be people who are consumed with you, Lord, I pray you would reveal your son so we're able to. Even more to me, Father. I want to know you more than what I do today. Lord, I want to fall in love with you more because of the the reality that you're showing me. I'm sure we all do here today, Lord. And to see and to be used. But to be first and then to do. To have a hope in us that others are attracted. And be a witness who just gives reason for the hope we have. Just invite the music guys to come. And as we sing the song, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. I just ask you to, however you do, and I don't know how you do it, but just to let him minister to you. Speak to him at this time. Ask him 
to show you more. You need to repent. Repent of some things. Recognize where you're at. Acknowledge it before him. And then repent of it. And then ask and keep asking. He's put his spirit in us. We are sons. He says, come on, I want to show you more of what it means to be a son. I want to do more of a work in you. I want a greater reality of my life in you. He wants to burn in us. He wants us to be so hungry for Him like physical food. But you don't get 